1: We're going to have Tim Elmore. I was just uh, chatting with him just rough, so we'll bring him in a second. But this is a big deal. This is a big deal for people to think about how do you lead millennials, Generation Z, boomers, next generation. How do you even say, I think most people don't even recognize that's really what's happening right now. And what's interesting about this is that I just did a poll and, well, let me pull up the poll. Where you got, there you go. There's a poll I just recently did. It literally said, I asked them, like, what generation do you want to learn more from? And that is the answer. Gen Z is where 56% said. So we're going to jump into like, I don't even know if everybody understands, I don't, what it all really means to do this. So with that, Tim, welcome to the show. How are you?
0: I'm well, Sangram. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
1: Absolutely, man. Well, I really want to jump right into it. You saw that poll where I asked people like, hey, you know, what do you want to learn more about or or from? And they're saying Gen Z. And I don't even know if most people understand the difference between all of these things. So Tim, let me embarrass you for a minute and then we'll jump into questions. Okay, this is my fun part. Like embarrassing people right when they're on the camera is really, really good. So Tim Elmore, he's a millennial and generation expert. Uh, he's the CEO and founder of Growing Leaders. It's a best-selling author. He his one of his books I love is Habitude. We'll get into it a little bit today. It's a phenomenal book. People should go check it out. Uh, but he's also talking about the he's world-renowned in the idea of like how do you lead Generation Y, Z, a whole bunch of these things. And he's equipping coaches, leaders, educators right now, founders, companies, especially, and parents. We're gonna talk about it. People are working on parenting right now. I got my kids homeschooled today, so (laughs) it's crazy. So we're gonna hear about how do you do that and how still you do the best work of your life. So Tim, that's my moment of embarrassing you because I know how it feels when somebody's telling about you and you have to just look at the screen. So there you go.
0: (laughs) Thanks, I appreciate it. Great, it's so fun. I can hardly wait to start this conversation.
1: All right, so Tim, just get directly to the audience over here is like, just walk us through like, why is it important to even understand that there's generational diversity?
0: Yeah, right now. yeah, great question. Well, you know, we are in a day, are we not, where we're talking about, especially this last year, we were reminded we need to be conscious of ethnic diversity. Uh, we've been talking about gender diversity. We've spoken about socioeconomic diversity. But I think one that's just as real is generational diversity. We have four generations, Sangram, that are working together in the marketplace today. There is Gen Z, the newest team members that we're onboarding. Yep. And then the millennials who make up 51% of the workforce right now that some boomers are just trying to get used to, you know? Yeah. And then Gen X, you know, uh, and then the baby boomers who are retiring at the on an average of 10,000 a day. 10,000 of my generation are retiring every day. Wow. So sort of and going through the hourglass right now. And then the building generation uh, would be the oldest. In fact, let me just illustrate real quick. I was with the Atlanta Braves not long ago talking to their staff. They have five generations working there. So the Gen Z interns, college interns, you know, our Gen Z, all the way up to a guy or two or three that were 78 years old selling peanuts in the stadium. So you can imagine the 78-year-old does not think like the 21-year-old. They just don't. But how do we collaborate and get the most out of each other? That's what I think we need to talk about today.
1: Yeah. You know, the the when when I think about generation diversity, first of all, I think the whole diversity is so hyped up right now, so sensitive right now for yeah. everybody yeah. out there for many 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 reasons that, that we don't need to go in detail for that. Yeah. But I think in many ways, the generational diversity question is almost forgotten.
0: Yeah, I think it uh, is. I,
1: I you know I, I walk in the room but right now. We're not in a physical room in many of the places. We're all virtual. Yeah. I see we do our at our company at Terminus, we do all hands and we're like 250 people. They all appear like, you know, small boxes right on your yeah. Zoom screen yeah. and and the ability to interact and actually have that moment of understanding your body language. You're all it's it's in many ways could potentially get lost. So one one of the things that I'm feeling is that as senior leaders in organizations who are leading the way, who have to be the one leading the way in in many ways, at least looked upon as them. are they vulnerable enough to recognize that?
0: Yeah, great question. Maybe the best way to answer that is with a story. I just picked up this story about a month ago. There's a young man named Tony, who is a student at Ohio State University up in Columbus, Ohio, but he also has a part-time job at Sherwin-Williams Paint Store. And unlike most college students, he actually likes his job. (laughs) So on his own time and on his own dime, He started, uh, he set up a TikTok account and started uh, showing himself mixing paints and putting blueberries and white paint and seeing what would happen. Sangram, he amassed 1.4 million followers on his TikTok account. Wow. And 26 million likes. So he thought, me, I got something here. So he goes to the management and says, hey, we can monetize this. I got 1.4 million people watching me mix paint right here at the store. Well, he didn't get a listening ear. He didn't get a nod. He didn't get a, hey, tell me more. He got something he didn't expect. He got fired. He was actually fired because they thought, hey, are you stealing our paint? Or are you, what are you doing on your, are you? And of course, it was just a picture of two generations not getting. Don't you think Sherwin-Williams could use 1.4 million more (laughs) in their tribe? Hello. Yeah. We were so scared, maybe as a 60-year-old management or whatever. I don't know that they just wouldn't love it. That's the vulnerability we have. I actually think this is not over-speak. People are like wet cement. We're very adaptable. Your children are very much moldable, adaptable. You can put your handprints in this. As we get older, we harden and harden and harden. And pretty much, uh, well, when we get older, we not only have hardening of the arteries, we have hardening of the attitudes. (laughs) And so, Sherwin Williams had that. So that would be what I would say, old folks listening, if you're over 45, we've got to work to listen. We've just got to listen. Now, will they understand everything? Of course not. Do they learn? need to learn a few things? Of course they do. But don't let that stop you from saying, how could we use what you bring to the table? So I'll stop there. Um, yeah. Yeah, Tim, what's
1: interesting about it is uh, somebody shared this with me recently, saying that there was a time where you would want, and then it's, it's probably still true, which is you want mentors that are Older than you that have seen the path that have yeah. moved on um, on many bigger things that maybe one day you want to make sure that you not necessarily follow exactly but that is a path that you might want to look at right and and so everybody I look at is that I have virtual mentors you yeah. may not know this you're one of my virtual mentors because I see what you do and I see him like you know what that's really cool I want to not copy that but I want to emulate some not copy the principles of a person like that and and you know Andy and some of the other folks out there. Yeah. At the same time, this person said, but it's actually even more important to actually have reverse mentoring going on for you, where you actually get mentored by people that are younger than you. For the first time when I heard it, Tim, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, what is it now? I need to be telling them what it is. But the more I'm trying to humble myself to do that, the more I'm actually learning. And I'm curious in your profession where you're actually working with growing readers and young adults, and yeah. you're driving them to learn that. Do you see that happening? Do you see that
0: reception? Well, I, I do, but it's slow, but sure. So the term reverse mentoring, I think was actually popularized by Jack Welch way back in the 1990s. Remember him, the CEO of General Electric? Yeah. So ba- think about the 1990s. That's when computers began to enter the marketplace. So his 58-year-old management didn't understand those computers. They had paper and pencil, and that was fine with them. But his recent onboarded college graduates really did understand them. So right. he started reverse mentoring relationships and I love what happened. So mm-hmm. the 58 year old senior executive was pouring into the 22 year old saying, here's what you need to know about this company. But the 22 year old was saying, well, here's what you need to know about this laptop or how we could market use, using this, you know, social media platform or whatever. And of course everybody benefited. So here's why I think this is hard. I just had this thought come to me while you were talking. Yeah. I believe generational diversity is a challenge because it's it's likened to a cross-cultural relationship. So anybody listening, if you've traveled to another country, let's say you went to Germany or France or China, you would expect when you landed to work harder at relationships there, right? You'd be psyched up because yeah. you know they have different customs here, they have different values here, may, may speak a different language, bingo. Yeah, You have a Gen Z, different values. <laughs> Different language, TikTok, whatever. And I think if we could say, what do I need to learn in China? What do I need to learn in France? This is all five generations saying, if we could just humble ourselves and learn from each other, what could happen at this organization? So that's what I'm lobbying
1: yeah. I, I love it. I think as people are joining in right now, like James and Annie and Eden, Christine, Terry, just drop in what gen do you belong to? As Tim, I would love for you to like just talk through the age groups okay. of it. Yeah. And and I know and I remember uh listening to you a few times where you talked about some of the things that they are known for, they're good at, and some of the okay. things they want to, right? Like some of the things that they, I think a lot of people, are, well, I'm kind of Gen C, but I'm act like, yeah. you know, I'm gen Y, right? You know, that there is some of that going on. Yeah. I certainly sometimes feel like we're, we're, you know, the 40s are the new 30s, right? That kind of yeah. thing. So I would love for people to drop in what gen they think they are in. And then as you talk through what Gen actually emulates and, and works like, It might be interesting to see if people actually say, you know what, I act like another gen. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, so I'm understanding you're asking me, give me the segments of each generation. Okay. Yes. So the oldest generation still influencing the world. There are some older, but they're like 97 years old. Yeah. The builder generation would be the oldest generation that might still be working, maybe mowing the lawn, selling peanuts at the Brave Stadium or whatever. So they would be 1929 to 1945, and they're called builders because they really well think about it, they grew up during the Great Depression and World War II. So they sacrificed and built something right. out of they were resourceful out of almost nothing. nothing, you know? My mom and dad are both builder generation people. So they're the people that say, say the wrapping paper at Christmas, we'll use it next year. Don't throw <laughs> it away. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. So but don't you love that? Don't you think yeah. we need a little bit more of that today?
1: Oh geez, I mean, I think we a lot of times, I, me and I, I mean, my wife and I talk about like, have we become hoarders of stuff? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I actually don't know. And then when I see yard sale, that actually drives me insane because <laughs> wait a minute, we just got excited about selling a $500 stuff for 50 bucks, and we think yeah. we made money. That <laughs> is just wrong. Like, how can we get excited about that? Anyway, uh, uh, that that just came through my head right yeah. now. So we're talking yeah. about
0: so that was the mindset of those people not everyone but the yeah. the the bump part of the bell curve and by the way let me add this yeah if you feel like you might have some characteristics of this and some social scientists tell us that if you're 5 years at the end of one generation or 5 years at the beginning of another you're called a tweener mm-hmm. so i have a little bit of gen x a little bit of boomer because i'm kind yeah. of a late boomer you might have you know a couple so anyway so the builders were 1929-1945 after the soldiers came home from World War II, all over the world, mm. there was a boom of babies, hence the name baby boomer. Yeah. So in America, 76 million kids were born in 18 years, and that had never happened before. So the boomers came back for to a whole nother mindset. It was a time of expansion, not depression. So shopping malls were popping up, McDonald's was franchising. We were large and in charge, my generation. We were just going to take over the world, you know, that sort of thing. So yeah. different mindset. After the baby boomers come the baby busters. Oh, and by the way, boomers were 1946 to
1: 1964.
0: Okay. A new generation started in 65 with the public introduction of the birth control pill. Ah, okay. Instead of a boom, it was a bust. So baby busters came next. And I do know that's how this words actually came in. I would love yeah. to
1: hear from chat. Did anybody even know how the, the baby boobers are baby I'm like this? Is fantastic.
0: I'm learning so much on this. Good. Well, it's helpful for me too, just to frame things. Yeah. And you know, you, you don't want to stereotype this. The last thing I want to do is stereotype. There's all kinds of reasons for different personalities, gender, family of origin, but this is a big deal that we cannot ignore. Yeah. So baby busters or Gen Xers, we often call them Gen X. 1965 to 82 some have them ending slightly earlier but they grew up in a harder time so think about 65 to 82 the Vietnam War was not only going on it was on television we were watching news clips and even though Lyndon B Johnson kept saying from the White House everything's fine over there yeah. we started seeing footage and going I don't think it's fine yeah and then you had the Watergate scandal yeah. Now you had a Democrat and a Republican both lying from the White House. There was a very real wall that went up the minds and hearts of American adults. And even though Gen X was very young, they saw yeah. the grownups a little skeptical. They grew up yeah. a little more cynical themselves. Hmm. So yeah, the millennials, I, I can
1: see that part of it, then because it is as I think about our kids, right? When my wife and I, we're having conversations. They're they're always listening. Like no. it was, once we were talking about something like, you know, financial stuff and my kid comes to me like a few minutes later, like really sad. And Krish, his name is Krish. And I'm like, Krish, why are you sad? And he's like, are we going to lose our house? And I'm like, no, we were just <laughs> talking about how we do yeah. certain things. But it is that they absorb, they, yes. they retain information, they physically and emotionally react to these things in a, in a way. So how much they absorb it. So I can totally relate why the no. kids of the parents who might be watching television and having commentary at their dinner table around what's going on in the world might become so cynical, totally get it.
0: Yeah, do you mind if I double click on what you just said? Yes. I think if you're a parent listening right now, you're a leader in your home, right? You have kiddos, they are wondering, they've never seen this before. You may have never seen this before that what we're going through, the pandemic, the protests, everything. I think the greatest gift we can give our kids is context. Now, mm-hmm. of course, love, we need to love them, but they're, your children are wondering, what do I do with all that? Are we going to lose our house? And if you can say, sweetheart, this is the fourth pandemic our world has seen in the last 100 years. We yeah. made it through. It was hard. So get ready for hard, but we're going to make – they just need a dad or a mom to say, let me give you context for this. Yes. Uh, and then, of course, we need to give them belief. We need to believe we can make it through and get stronger from it. But anyway, that's the sidebar. Okay, so two more generation segments. Let me get yeah. to real right quick. Yeah. So millennials came along, people born in the eighties and nineties, pretty much Masso Menos. Yeah. And they were like the newest generation that everybody was talking about the last fifteen years. Mm. In fact, have you not heard a baby boomer or Gen Xer go, "Oh yeah, these kids, t- kids today, kids <laughs> today," you know? And <laughs> you were one time, and I was one time, kids today, you know? Yeah, yeah.
1: I actually tell that to my kids sometimes, and I catch myself before I finish the sentence, like, "Okay, I should, yeah. I don't want to turn into that, but here we go."
0: Exactly. That's so true. We need to watch our attitude. Remember? Hardening of the attitudes. We need to watch yes. it. Yes. So millennials were called that because they would spend their entire adult life in the new millennium. Mm-hmm. The, these are young professionals now, right? right. That, that graduated into, really, the, the kids that graduated from high school, let's say, in 2000, 2001, they've experienced three economic downturns. Yeah. The dot-com era bubble bursting, the 2008-2009 recession, And now another one, my daughter, Bethany, just said, dad, am I ever going to be able to afford a home? He just said, dad, it's a good question that millennials would have, you know, is this what you guys do crash the economy, you know? (laughs) So we need to have a little empathy toward that young professional. And then Gen Z is the newest population we're measuring today. They're basically the kids that have grown up. They're both your, your children. They're the ones that are being onboarded now for the first time into a career these grown up in the 21st century. Uh, You'll like this, Sangram. One historian calls them the Homelanders because their generation started at about the same time as the Department of Homeland Security. (laughs) Oh my God, oh my God. In a normal part, they've always been used to terrorism on the front page of the paper, school shootings, down economy. Yeah, yeah, it's been, it's a little bit, bit harder the last twenty years. So I'll stop there. But that's that's kind of what the generations are. Well,
1: I'm I don't know if you can see the the chat, and it's, sometimes it's hard to come as people just flutter into it. But this is great. Like James, who is who's in the CMO group at the NP Community, is talking. about technically, tech, yeah. I love it because he's all data. So I yeah. love the fact yeah. that he started that. Technically, that just means that okay, you know, yeah. uh, I'll yeah. give him a little bit of a hard time later. Technically, I'm a millennial, but I feel more like a Gen X. Yeah. Jim, do you hear that often or is that that is that uncommon?
0: No, I hear it all the time. And it may be a tweener that we just heard from. I, I feel like I'm some Gen X, some boomer. A lot of it is your parents. I feel like I'm a bit of an old soul in some sense because my parents were, you know, respect the police and the president and pick up your trash and save the wrapping paper at Christmas like I mentioned yeah. before. So, you do get some traits obviously from your DNA and from the its nature and nurture, right? From mom yes. and dad that also yes. shape us as well. Yeah.
1: I love that. And uh, and we will, we want to talk about this idea of like, how do you lead a team when you have five generations together? And, and if people may not have realized, and one of the things I want people to take a moment to think about is that what generations are you leading right now as a team or what generation you're in right now as a team? So, we'll, we'll talk about that. But I want to finish this thread because. I'm loving a lot of the commentary. I want to give a shout out. Like Eden is asking, well, I can't wait to hear what, what's after Gen Z? What are they going to be called? Uh, is, are, do you have already a name for that?
0: Yeah, I, will I don't, but social scientists tend to call this emerging, the youngest children just being born, the alpha generation. Ooh. So Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z, and now we're back to, you know, alpha, the A. Alpha. Oh, but, oh. Um, and And really, it, it, I need to be very, very honest here. Children that are that young are very difficult to measure with any kind of uh, ink. It's always in pencil because yeah. they change. And who knows? We might have another September 11, 2001, happen that will be a game changer, a wild card. Right. Yeah. Uh, weren't we shaped? Weren't the millennials shaped with September 11th? That was a marker for them. So wow. anyway, that, but Alpha is the next is the next Alpha one. is the next one. That's good. And I was wondering if it would be called the post like covid something yeah, yeah.
1: right because it, it's a really really interesting uh, time that we live in so <laughs> let's talk about this this the rest of the conversation tim i would love to focus on two areas one okay. let's talk about the work culture where we talk about all these generations working yeah. together what people need to be mindful of what you need to think through how do you lead example stories because you do this every day the yeah. other part is parenting as much as you can relate to that because that's your direct audience that's what you do and and help which is a really really interesting place to be is like well how how different is that from leading a team and how maybe similar is that from leading a team through generations? so so i'll love to hear start with the business and team members and then we get to parenting part of it
0: okay so, what I try to keep in mind in our office on our team, we have four generations. So, I would be the oldest, and then we have Gen X, the millennials, and then Gen Z. Let me just give a couple of illustrations how leaders out there listening in might need to rethink how you do communication, motivation, feedback, you know, right. that's sort of So, I'm just going to give these off the cuff, but let's say communication for a minute. Would you communicate differently to the baby boomer than you might to the Gen Zer? Of course. So you might communicate to the baby boomer who is basically saying to you with all their nonverbal communication, "Just give me the bottom line." You know, I'm I'm 60 years old. Uh, you know, I don't have much time. <laughs> just give me the I say no that problem. all the time. I say to my wife, "Just give me the bottom And I'm going, "What am I doing here?" You know. <laughs> so um, we, to a boomer, you might need to just get straight to the point. They've been around the block four times. They don't need there a is. lot of fluff. Yeah. So for Gen Xers, they might say like their, I don't know, communication might be keep it real. Don't try to build this rosy rainbow color. You know, they're remember, they're a little bit more cynical entering the workforce. So I would just keep it real. I would just say, you know what, mm-hmm. let me get straight to the point. Let me not mess around or not just mess around, but let me not try to color this in a way that makes you feel like I'm a spin doctor. You yeah. know, just keep it real. So that the would-
1: longer it takes for that conversation to happen, I think it's almost like I could see sometimes that the, they're like, what are you not telling me? Right. Yeah. Like, I think that may be the question I, I sometimes see myself and question or when I'm talking in circles a little bit or I'm trying to build up to it. They're like, don't do that. Just yeah. tell me as this. But what are you not telling is, is, is maybe something they're thinking about.
0: It's true. So I would even say to a Gen Xer, have hard conversations before easy ones. We're tempted mm. to do easy conversations like, hey, good news. We just sold blah, blah, you know, but they're going, what are you hiding? What yeah. What are you not telling me? You know, like you said. And so anyway, so boomers get to the bottom line. Xers, you might say, you know, it's keep it real. Millennials, I don't want to stereotype, but it might be make this communication interactive. Mm. I grew up with video games and social media, you know, blah, blah, blah. Make it interactive. Don't just download the communication. Yeah. Let Let's have a, you know, have a community here. And then with Gen Z, it might be, the communication mantra might be, keep it short. My attention span is eight seconds, you know? (laughs) Think about your own kids. I know they're younger than working age, but you might go, boy, I think can't pay attention for 35 minutes here. I better get right to the, you know, what's the story I want to tell? What's the picture I want to show? You know, that sort of thing. So again, I don't know if that comes across stereotypical. Please forgive me if it does, but I think about who I'm talking to not who's talking when I communicate. Yeah. Tim,
1: when, as you talk through that, are there things that you, you because, because it's hard, like it's almost, you know I'm trying to picture this now and and think about like, I'm talking to four different people, four different generations. And I think like if, as I take the burden off, like let's just call it as, as it yeah. might feel sometimes, like, okay, well, I'm talking to a 20 year old, I'm talking to a 40 year old, I'm talking to an 80 year old. And now I need to think about what and how I want to connect do you lose in some way your true self when you're actually trying to do that in the best possible yeah. reason for the best possible like, reason? You, you, you may, it, it may be just not natural yeah. Yeah. for you to do to do it. So I'm, I'm curious about like how, how do people yeah. do that in the most authentic, yeah. genuine way?
0: Great question. So, Sangren, I'm going to use one of our habitudes, if you don't mind. To yes, please. Listeners, we try to teach timeless leadership principles with an image, so the image I thought of when you asked that question was chess and checkers, mm. chess and checkers. Think about these two games. Yeah. Both chess and checkers are played on the very same game board, right? Yep. But you and I both know the game is very different. When I play checkers, all my pieces look alike, same color, same shape, same size, they all move alike. You treat them all alike. Yeah. When I play chess, I better know what each piece can do. I need to know that a knight goes up two and over one and what a bishop does and a pawn and a rook and a king and a queen. Only in knowing the strength of each piece can I win. I think mediocre leaders play checkers with their people. They treat them all alike, and they get average performance. Great leaders have learned to play chess in the relationships of their life, and they connect with people on the basis of their strength and their personality strength and personality. And those people flourish under the leadership. So it's not so much I'm inauthentic. It's I realize as a leader, I'm playing chess right now, not checker. I want to play checkers because it's easier and yeah. quicker. Doesn't the game of checkers, you can play that quicker and easier. Yeah. Yep. Chess is harder. So all I'm saying leaders out there is you just enter the hard game, but it's worth it. The ROI is worth it Um yeah. if you gain so much. Yeah. So. I,
1: I love I love that team. and I think that is a really big idea. Hopefully, people are taking notes. I put that in this like, are you playing chess or checkers? Because it literally, mentally, you can just recognize it. Yeah. So, folks, drop in your questions because I want to get to some of your questions as you think about leading your teams, what challenges you might be facing, and we can just drop it in because Tim is literally the expert in this field. He's writing about it, and he's leading it every day. He's in organizations like like we're talking about right now and helping organizations think about it. How, how is that working out?
0: Yeah. Well, I believe in many ways it's helpful to think of yourself, of your parent, as the leader in your home. That didn't mean the boss. It doesn't yeah. mean the tyrant, although there may be a few days you have to say because I said so. But um, I have found running my family, there should be lots of love in both my team and my family, right? I should love my team. I should love my kids. Sangram, I have to play chess, not checkers, with my two kids. I bet your two kids, you would say, they eat the same meals born out of the same womb, but they it's chess pieces, right? Yes. You can't them. It's very my kids are so different, my son and my daughter. So I have to lead them differently. In fact, you'll love this. Uh, I remember talking to my daughter, Bethany, when she was like 11 years old, and my son was seven years old at the time. And she goes, how come you did that with Jonathan? You didn't do that with me. You, you uh, punished him this way. You, you punished me this way. I said, Bethany, yeah. let me tell you a secret. Chestnut checker. And I taught chess and checkers. She goes, yeah, he's different. Yeah. And I I just won. I just won, you know? So anyway, I think in the home right now, I just mentioned they need context from us. Can I give you yeah. two more gifts that I think we need to lead our kids with? One is applications. And by that, I simply mean clear action steps. When we're in a pandemic and they're kind of just getting anxious and wondering about what the future is going to look like for my life, we need to say, sweetheart, I don't know, but I can give you very clear steps today. Bam, bam, bam. I think clarity, hasn't Andy taught this? Yes. Make up for with clarity, what you lack in certainty. So be crystal clear. And then the third gift we need to give them, I mentioned context applications. The third gift is belief our kids need a caring adult that says i'm not only gonna i not only believe we're gonna make it through this hard time we're gonna be better for it you're gonna be a better adult you're gonna be a better worker you're gonna be a better leader and so those three words c-a-b spell cab this is going to sound cheesy, but every morning when I get up, I honest to Pete, I get up and I say, I got to get in a cab if I'm going to get to my destination today. Yes. And so, um, There's our three words. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I love that. And I wrote down, I think I already wrote down as one of the big takeaways for me is context. And we'll, we'll, when we when we get towards the end, we will actually spend time with these takeaways. And I want to hear more of your your habitudes around your takeaways around this. Tim, one of the things that I'm, as I'm writing this down and thinking through this is you're giving this Pictures literally for people to keep in, and you can see from Christine and Cher and Terry and Eden and all these folks, so they're like, "Oh yeah, that's a great analogy." Now they just got that, like they 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 get it. Yeah, yeah. I think about my kids as Krish is 10, Kiara is 6, uh, 6 going 16. Uh, it's so fascinating to to do that. And Krish, sometimes I feel like he's going 10, going 6. Like, you know, it's really, really interesting sometimes. And yeah. I, I don't tell them that, but my wife and I talk about yeah. that. Okay, yeah. well, She is literally like, you know, eating, she's cleaning it up, and she's like, you know, perfectly, and he would have everything fall out. I mean, like, yeah. he's 10. So it's really interesting how... Um, how they both are different. At the same time, he is, when it goes on a tennis court, he's a completely like a professional. He's like, he's there 30 minutes early. He would do all the workout because he's just passionate about that. And he wants to do the best he can. But then every other time, outside of that, he'll be just goofing off all this long. It makes me wonder about even myself sometimes is that it's not split personality for so much, as much as like it is, What you care about, you pay attention to, and you do better at it versus others. And I wonder if these different generations, as we think about it, do we bring a different self to work while the self who we are 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 a bit different? And how do you bring our whole self to work if that's
0: important? Yeah, it's a great question you ask, and it deserves a much longer answer than we have time for. But i tell you what I was thinking when you described your son's really on with tennis and maybe not so much on at home. One of our... Images that I it's probably my favorite image in explaining good, healthy leadership is called the velvet covered brick. the velvet covered brick. So um this may be likened to metaphors that you've all thought about before. But velvet on the outside, that means I'm soft and and gracious, right? Yeah. Uh, when you touch velvet, you love to rub it against your skin. It just feels good. But brick, that's kind of hard and crusty. So I think we need to be both responsive and demanding as leaders. Your kids need a dad that's responsive. I get you. I love you. I empathize with you. But, sweetheart, this is the standard. And I know you're capable of meeting. I'm not going to make it easy because you want it to be easy. That's that's the kind of leadership gets thank you notes when they're 30 years old. Yeah. yeah. But it's responsive and demanding, responsive and demanding that we need to. And that's true at work, isn't it? I, yeah, I, I both. Both are necessary, yeah.
1: How do you see that at work playing today? Like, you know, everything has changed. You just finished a book on pandemic, you know, around leadership yeah. and what's happening in that. Uh, give some cliff notes of it. Like, how is it changing at work today with these different generations on Zoom? Like, so, so now you add the complexity to it. Like, one, yes, different generations. Now they're all remote, like hardly don't know and inside when they're going to be together mm-hmm. again. Uh, we at our own organization just announced like, hey, look, we're going to be remote only company or re- remote first company, not only, but remote first yeah. company, meaning we will be creating experiences for our people to come in whenever they want to do brainstorming or whenever they want to have one on one meetings where they need to be inside. But you're not coming to the office to be on a Zoom call like that's just not yeah. going to be the new reality for people. So how are you seeing that happen with the complexity of not only different generations, but also in a different level of communication?
0: Yeah. That's that's just huge. I had a CEO say to me recently, I feel like I need to be a boss, a therapist, a cheerleader, a coach, and a motivational speaker during this pandemic. And in many ways, we probably feel that way, don't we? Come on, listeners. Yes. Yeah. So um, it is the wearing of many hats. And, but let me just say what I mentioned before. I I think we need to we need to offer context to our workplace because even some of the employees are anxious. But I would say let me give you another just thought that you know you yep. can eat the fish and spit out the bones. But let me give yeah. you a, some fish yeah. here. I think we need to have personal conversations before work conversations. Now we're going to be anxious to get the you know the work done. You know we need to generate revenue here and yep. watch the P and L. But I think sometimes a worker might need their supervisor to say, hey, listen, before we get started, tell me how you're doing. Are you OK? I just think that goes so far for them yeah. to just know at least he or she cares about my personal well-being. And by the way, when we lean into them that way, I think they lean into the work because they know they don't have to look out for number one. Someone else is looking out for them. Yeah. So I know you're not a therapist. You're not a psychologist. But just saying that is just meaningful and i know that's psychology 101 but you and i both know saying if you love your people they love you back yeah
1: that question alone of how are you doing today i think when pandemic hit everybody almost went on the opposite direction of like well how are you doing how are you doing and i would remember like some calls were like okay we have a 50 minute call and like 40 minutes we're just talking about how are you doing because it was such a a big shock to everybody and kids and all parents and all that stuff and then I think we went into overdrive in the last couple of quarters and saying you know what we got this we can do this and we took it on but I still feel like you just saying that made me feel even though you were not asking me I felt like it just made me feel a little bit two centimeters relaxed because you know that's a that's a good question to if you haven't asked that to your team member in a while I think it might be a great question to ask today uh if you get to have a chance with it because we're not spending enough time on that question yet and i feel people it, i don't know how many people go through the cycles of this recognition and self-recognition i feel like that is a such a big deal is just recognizing that yeah. you matter yeah. and that i notice right like that that element of like i notice yeah. you so i'm just checking mm-hmm. on you right now and the fact that i asked that means you matter i i, I think it's a. Uh, It's probably one of the biggest takeaways so far in in just this conversation. I mean, like all the other gifts is like, man, I feel like I haven't done that. I feel called out because I don't think I've done that in the last month or two because I just went in overdrive. Let's just go.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's so true. And especially, I think you and I are a lot alike in this sense. We want to get to the goal. We're very result oriented, are we not? That's how we've kind of gotten to where we are. So this kind of reminder is something I need as well. I need to say it in the mirror. You know, and then remind myself, you know, I thought of something while you were talking, Sangram. One of the reasons what you said is so true is, if nothing else, this last year was the great accelerator. Mm -hmm. It accelerated so many things that were probably starting to happen, like remote learning. Didn't higher ed need to figure out virtual? Yes, but this, it accelerated it. Totally. Uh, some, Some accelerated it are going bankrupt, but they were maybe maybe slipping into bankruptcy anyway. This accelerated it. Uh, diversity training, it accelerated it. But when culture is accelerated, it, when we see it's a great accelerator, it forces us to be a great innovator. We yeah. If you don't adapt, you don't survive. But what that's led to is decision fatigue. Hmm. Many listeners right now probably feel like you're a little bit fatigued right now you made so many decisions. You made a year's worth of decisions in one month. Did we not do this? Yeah. So I'm thinking you need to cut yourself a little slack and give yourself a little grace and give your team. We're struggling with decision fatigue right now because we're making so a year's worth of decisions. like I said, in about 30 days time.
1: Oh my God. You're literally talking about some of the stuff we talked about in our executive team around around this. And Accelerate is literally the theme uh, at terminus for the year twenty twenty one. So it's literally wow. it's, it's literally we I literally yesterday I got a whole swag box of accelerate from our company that we shipped to all, all the employees, like like saying, Hey, it's time to accelerate. Like and I think it's like, Yeah, it's a high performing time and we need to take a moment to ask. So Oh my God, Tim! There's just so many takeaways. So I'm here. Here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna because I know I, you have a few habitudes and 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 things that you want to share. I want to make sure that we have time for that. So I'm gonna share my three big takeaways from it. I want to hear yours as you have done this so many so many different ways for for different organizations, and then a challenge that we can talk about that everybody will get to do at the end of it. So here, here are mine. I love the point that you made around context. I think so quickly, I have dismissed that in a conversation. Oh, no, that's not happening. And mm-hmm. But I never gave the context of, well, then why did we even talk about it? Why did that even happen? What well, what was going on? And I think regardless of all, what generation we're talking about, that may be one thing that maybe we can pull out of it and saying, you know what, context is super important. Maybe Maybe with boomers, you need to get to the bottom line quickly, but then give the context later on. Mm-hmm. You just reverse the order of it. Uh, yeah. But I think your gift of context is a responsibility that I have taken. I, I need to take on more seriously. So that's that is really really good, and I love the off the cap, the application for sure. But really love the idea of belief. I think yeah. in many ways, it took me a while to to rebelieve in myself. If that even a word or if it even makes sense, is to like, can I do this? Yeah. Can I can I do parenting at home school? And the stuff like I like to do and write book, and it, it just it just over, yeah. it just overloaded. Like as I'm talking it, I can imagine a sea just rising above in front of me. But the reality is that can I surf this seabo, right? Like can I do the surfing right now? or am I gonna drown in it? Like yeah. that's the picture I feel like. And I feel ultimately what' you're, you're really talking about is like you gotta you gotta believe in yourself and, and have to have the right people. And the last, I love the checkers and chess. I yeah. feel I was getting old when thinking about like, okay, I need to have a different context from millennials, different Gen Z. I, I was thinking about like, yeah. am I going to be able to have the right conversation Am I going to feel like I'm lying to one and not, you know, yeah. cheating yeah. on cheating yeah. on another one? Like, is that, is that what's going on? I'm, I'm like cuddling one and the other one yeah. I'm just kicking out. Like, am I doing that? But I think your idea of uh, checkers and chess kind of clarified that. So those are my big takeaways. I want to hear yours as you have done this several times talking about leaders.
0: Sure. Well, a couple of other um, images, Sanguine, that um, I think speak to this very issue today. I mentioned chess and checkers. There's another one that we've not even published yet, but it's been one of our conversations in our office, at our team, and it's called guard dogs and guide dogs. Guard dogs and guide dogs. So okay. we give canines lots of different jobs to do around the world today, but two of the big ones are guard dog and guide dog. So think about a guard dog. That guard dog's job is to be outside and sniff out suspiciously any intruder right barking growling uh, suspicious of anybody that might be coming near and very protective right the guide dog very different i spoke i spoke up in virginia not long ago and the speaker right before me was blind and he had a guide dog and i watched that guide dog lead that blind person up the steps onto the platform stop right at the podium lay, sat down so he knew right where he was, did the talk. The dog knew as soon as he was done, he knew what to listen for, let him ride off. And I thought, what a great leader. And I wasn't talking about the man. I was talking about the dog. So here's the difference. A guard dog's job is to protect. A guide dog's job is to partner. And as cheesy as this might sound, in these times, we are so tempted to be guard dogs. We're protecting our money. We're protecting our market share. We're protecting, and you. And you, you are for sure. But your team needs you to be a guide dog. And that means you lean and get vulnerable. You go first. You go first. You say, hey, team, I'm a little scared right now. You know, maybe you say that. And so all I'm saying to you listeners is your natural bent right now in this time will be to be a guard dog. I'm encouraging you. Go first. Be transparent. Be vulnerable. And be a guide dog. And I bet you. I'm getting a little choked up here. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, dude. I love how you are. Framing it because I think it's, it's the matter of heart, yeah, ultimately. It is. It is. And, and many yeah. people might think it's fluffy, but it's not. It's actually, you know, you, I, I saw your post about Andy's, you know, better, better decision, you know, a few regrets where he talked about probably the, one of the most important questions like what the, the love question. Yeah. And it's not, it's gritty and it's, 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 Absolutely. it's, it's right. It's, it's not the soft question. So I'm glad that we're sharing a very open and a transparent conversation right now around how people might emotionally be feeling and how, and what as a job, this is, if there, if there was a time to be a leader, it is now it's now and and you're opening it up. So
0: yeah, that's amazing. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. So what, maybe one more, Um, the last image I wanted to share today, Sangram was a bridge, not a wall. So Mm -hmm. when it comes to different generations, we tend to like those who are like us. I know that's a simple phrase, but think about that. You tend to like those who are like, so I like other people kind of my age. They like the same things, you know, whatever, Caucasian male, you know, come on. Yeah. And I, I naturally build a bridge to those people. I tend to build a wall to a person that I'm not like. And right. it's not impossible, but here's what I would say. Any Georgia tech grad would tell you this. It's easier to build a wall than a bridge right? All kinds of engineering has to happen. To build, but we've got to work harder and build that bridge to those who are not like us, whether it's generations, ethnicity, gender, socioeconomic. So I'm just challenging people to uh, think that way. I've got to build a bridge. It's harder, but it's worth it. So, Oh,
1: yeah. man, I love that. Guide dog and bridge over wall. I don't know if I don't need to add anything else because I don't want this to water down the bridge on any of this, stuff because you just brought in probably the depth and gratitude that I feel each one of us uh, must be feeling. So, Tim, where can people find you, follow you, and, you know, what? what is something that I know you're working on our next book. Share yeah. what's on your heart and what you're up to.
0: Thank you, Sangram. Well, um, thank you, listeners. I can't see your faces, but thank you for being here. In light of this subject, Sangram, we just shot a video course on this very set that you can look at with your team and talk it over. It's a discussion. In fact, there's a book and a video course. So if you just wanted to go to one place, so you don't have to remember five things, if you just went to timelmore.com, timelmore.com, you'll see um, a piece on the homepage to just give me your email address and I'll send you when the course is ready and it's posted uh, a way that you can look at it and uh, get the ebook and so forth. And then if you wanna just get a leadership blog, once a month, I write a leadership blog. You can also sign up for that at timelmore.com. And I'd love to stay in touch. I promise not to spam you, but I uh, would love to once a month stay in touch with you and uh, try to um, feed you some thought. Yeah,
1: That one its one of my favorite ones to, to get. is That's why I remember the last one you had, you had the whole decisions and all those things, a recap. That was great. So for folks listening in, we'll have all the information. We'll do a full recap of this in the PEAK community so you can look at the recording, share it with your team as they join the PEAK community, because Once a month, we want to bring in these conversations that are deeper, that are not about just marketing tactics and stuff. This is actually how you lead your team. And if you are a better leader, all of a sudden the rest of the things somehow starts to become a little bit more easier, right? Like as opposed to, to pushing through the boundaries. So, Tim, this was a heartwarming conversation, better than what I imagined and really made my day. So thank you so much for joining.
0: I on. feel the same way. I am honored. I mean that I'm honored to be with you saying, I'm looking forward to getting coffee sometime.
1: Absolutely. Let's do it. Everybody listening. Thank you so much for jumping in and again, check out Pete to look at it.
0: You've been listening to the flip my funnel podcast to make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.